and welcome to episode four of The Nitpick with me, Ben. And me, Sam. And we hope we've got a fantastic fourth episode for you today as we talk about uh, Fantastic Four, the new take on the classic superhero Marvel team. Uh, And I think it's fair to say we've got a lot to talk about this on this, haven't we, Sam? Yeah, if you were bored, perhaps, by the last three episodes where we reviewed things that we really liked, then this is this is a, a change of pace, a change of tone, let's say. I was I was so cross and disappointed coming out of this. I was just, I've never been more angry <laughs> at the film before in my life. I was just heartbroken. Um, yeah, I, I tried to warn you, I tried to warn you before you went in, but I also kind of wanted you to experience the full effect of it. Um, uh, and I think we'll get a decent podcast out of it. So that's one thing. We've got to take the positive. <clears throat> Christ, what the fuck happened there? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> what was that? I don't know. My throat just like seized up. I was like, we've got to do some podcast. <laughs> right. But I, uh, I think we'll get a decent podcast out of it. So that's one good thing. We've got to take any positives we can out of this uh, total mess of a film. I mean, it's, uh, first of all, it's good that it's the fourth episode. That's that's a positive already. It's very fortuitous. Oh, I didn't prepare any more Fantastic Four puns in the opening one. But hopefully we can sprinkle a few uh, through the episode. Um, so before we get on to the Fantastic Four, Sam, what have you been up to lately? What have you been reading or watching or doing? I went to see this week a lovely little film called Diary of a Teenage Girl. Um, oh, I really want to see that. I've heard very good things about it. Yeah, it's been getting excellent reviews. It was quite good. It was it was lovely. It was nice. It was not what I thought it was going to be. I didn't know a lot about it going in, and I thought from the title it was going to be sort of like a teeny... Like four teenagers, you know, still obviously mm-hmm. quite Indian twee, but like I thought it was going to be a sort of young adult movie. It was an eighteen-rated smut fest. It was, <laughs> yeah, that was an adult-ass movie, but it was it was good. It was good. What what's it about? It's about a teenage girl, she's fifteen, in America in the seventies, um, and it's sort of about her sexual awakening. And um, she ends up, she loses her virginity to her mother's boyfriend. Ooh, that's, yeah. that's, that's a weird one. And it's, that's it's a dodgy one. About, it's about all the, um, it's about what springs from that, so family drama, and she ends up getting involved in sort of hippie drug culture um, in San Francisco and things like that. Um, so it was, it, it gets quite grim at parts, but... No, it was it was quite good. It's still quite life affirming at the end, apart from the fact that the guy, the the um, it's it, it, it's really nuanced in the way that it depicts the relationship between her and the middle aged man who she's having sex with. It's not. It never straight up says that she's sort of seducing him or that he is like manipulating and taking advantage of her. It's quite a nuanced approach, but that can be quite frustrating at the end when he just gets off scot-free and nothing happens i mean i know it was the she's 70s. supposed to be like she's supposed to be 15 in this isn't she um and you're saying that it was quite like an 
adult film. It's obviously a rated 18. There's been quite a lot of controversy about it because the filmmakers wanted it to be rated 15 because it's about a 15 year old and they think that there's quite a lot of value there for people of that age. Uh, but the BBFC rated it 18. Um, and I think there's a lot of people saying, oh, that there are people like who are old enough to do the stuff depicted in the film but not old enough to see the film which feels quite strange yeah um, I mean that's always the case that's that's like just how 16 year olds it's legal to have sex but it's not legal to watch I mean any sort of explicit sexual stuff on um, on film usually gets it bumped up to an 18 right Mm -hmm. um yeah, and then, like you say, this would be there's probably a lot of fifteen year olds who would watch this and feel a lot more comfortable about who they are and the direction that their lives are going in and stuff. And also, parts of it are sort of cautionary as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it is quite. I think it like hard drug use as well is it, um, that usually gets it bumped up to an eighteen pretty quickly. Is it quite like positive drug use as well? Does it condemn? Because that's always the thing. If like someone does drugs and has a pretty terrible time, then that can usually get it at fifteen. But if it's kind of saying drugs, drugs are pretty great. Then Actually, that's this might thing. this might just be my reading, but it was quite condemnatory um, about the drug culture aspect of it. Um, a lot more. Like it's quite casual with weed, but then when it starts moving up to harder stuff, it gets. It's pretty obvious that this is the the wrong choice to yeah. have made. Um, but then again, there are some quite lovely sort of acid sequences. But then uh, there's there's a good scene where um her and the the middle aged bloke uh, trip an acid together, and she has a really really great time, and he has a, the worst trip ever. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, it's, I suppose it's quite nuanced with that as well, because mm-hmm. it's it's based on um. It's based on a graphic novel, which was autobiographical um, at the time. So a, a lot of it, I believe, actually did happen, which I think accounts for the, the, the nuanced approach, how it doesn't straight out condemn any of the characters for what they do. So it was, it was good. It was an interesting sort of... It was one of those movies that's about as interesting for the, the chat that you have afterwards um, as much as it was watching it, because it did get quite... It wasn't like a five-star movie because it did get quite repetitive. Like the relationship between her and the bloke, it it sort of goes back and forth between like, oh, I love him, but oh, he's uh, I'm just a kid and stuff like that. It goes back and forth quite a few too many times, I think. Um, but it was it was worth a watch, definitely. Yeah. Cool. I will try and uh, try and check that out if I get the chance. Um, uh. I have been having a very like film-based weekend. Uh, my girlfriend is away and my flatmates are away as well, so I've had the place to myself. I've been catching up with loads of stuff on Netflix that I've been meaning to watch. And uh, I watched The Guest the other day. Have you seen The Guest, Sam? No. This is... Um, it's like a... It's quite a mix of genres. It's like a um, an action thriller with kind of horror and sci-fi elements in there. Um, uh, and it's got Dan Stevens. I'm not a Downton Abbey guy, but Dan Stevens from Downton Abbey um, stars as this uh, this soldier who turns up at a family's house, uh, a family whose son was killed in action uh, in the war. And he says, oh, I, I was your son's friend in the army. 
uh, I was there when he died, and the last thing he did before he died was ask me to to kind of find his family and uh, tell each of his family members individually that uh, that he loves them. So he turns up at the house, uh, and they kind of take him in as their as a lodger for a couple of days, and it becomes clear quite soon that he might not be exactly what he says he yeah, is. Yeah, that sounds like an absolutely terrible idea. Yeah, well, it that is just like textbook. Don't let the guy in. Well, it, it is. It is very textbook. It's a very knowing, very kind of genre aware. And it's uh, directed by a guy called Adam Wingard, who has done other good stuff, actually. He did a horror film called You're Next, which is a sort of, like, slasher film um, about a family holi- like a family dinner, a, dis- a dysfunctional family dinner that then gets kind of sieged by people in masks. And then uh, the, I think it's the one the son's girlfriends like fights back and basically like does them all in which is amazing um and it's really like really really fun and the guest was very similar in that it's just like it's a total blast it's so much fun and it's got like um like elements of the terminator in there and it's um it's got like an 80s kind of synthy soundtrack kind of of the terminator yeah is is it a robot guest no no it's not but i can't uh, I, I can't go into it without spoiling it, okay. um, but it's like it's got a very good like horror thriller sort of vibe, especially towards the end, and it's full of like great ideas, um, and it would make a great part of a triple bill with. Uh, so if you start start with Drive, so you start with kind of a an, a, a drama action thriller yeah. with a great kind of eighty style soundtrack, and then you go to the guest, which is a thriller that kind of towards the end moves into a, a horror film with a great kind of 80s style soundtrack and then you finish up with It Follows which is a really really great horror film from last year oh that's a great uh, film yeah yeah if, if you liked It Follows definitely watch The Guest it's on Netflix uh, Micah Monroe who was the main girl in It Follows um, she's in The Guest as well um, the other thing that is amazing about The Guest so uh, Dan Stevens from Downton Abbey uh, he plays this kind of supposedly all-American hero, and he went on. Um, he went on. I think it was this morning, one of the morning chat shows, which everyone has Susanna Reid on it, <laughs> and they were sitting down on the sofa talking about the film. And she said to him, um, "So you play this kind of supposedly all-American hero. Um, this is your kind of big American breakthrough." I imagine you uh, had to beat off a lot of American men to get this part. And he just absolutely dissolves. Like, <laughs> he can't handle it. She's like, did you not have to beat them off? That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so after you've watched The Guest, <laughs> Google Dan Stevens' Susanna Reid on YouTube um, and you'll find a hilarious video clip. Uh, but yeah, I really, really highly recommend it. It's like a proper Friday night beer and pizza and watch the guest. It's that sort of vibe. Uh, so that is what I've been up to. Right, do we do we go straight into Fantastic Four now? I guess so. <laughs> are, are you ready, Sam? Do you feel ready to kind of delve into this? I've had I've had a few days to prepare um, to sort of make my thoughts to get my thoughts in order about this. Um, but it's still just a, an absolute chaotic mess of rage in my mind. 
Yeah, I don't. I, I, I think we should apologise now and say I have no idea how structured kind of this part of it is going to be. We we try when we know we're going to do these things. We try not to like discuss our thoughts with each other about it too much because we want to just get it kind of get it down, get it recorded. Um, but there is so much here that we might kind of jump around between quite a lot of things. Uh, as usual, get super spoilery. So I mean, this is a film that basically ruins itself. We're not going to ruin it for you. Um, <laughs> But if you are dead set on seeing Fantastic Four before uh, listening, then uh, yeah, go and see it and then come back. Um, but we will also kind of try and, as much as we can, as much as whichever bits make sense, um, we will try and explain stuff as we go um, so that you know what we're talking about. Right. Where, like, where the hell do we start? Right. First off, I, I want to I wanna answer a question, right? Which has been mm-hmm. Is this... Because when I first saw this movie, I thought to myself, Sandman is the worst superhero film I have ever seen. I think, I mean, there's there's a few major, like, supposedly terrible ones. I've never seen Catwoman. I've no, I haven't seen, seen Catwoman. I've never seen Elektra all the way through, and I haven't seen, like, Green Lantern. No, I haven't seen Green Lantern either. That's supposed to be pretty terrible. Yeah, but this was the worst superhero movie I have ever seen, because it feels... So completely of being a superhero movie. The thing that made me really, really cross is that it is like it's not a good superhero film, but it's also like no matter what genre it was, it it's a broken film. It's like, broken. And, like it's... it falls, it like falls so completely apart about yeah. halfway through. There is an exact moment you can pinpoint where it all starts to crumble, um, and like no matter what it was, it, like it just feels like. There are just huge chunks missing. It's half like, a movie. It's only it's, a, it's half a movie, well. and there's there's like a there's a bit in the middle which we'll get to um, where it literally feels like I'm sure they must have shot stuff and then decided just to like to dump it all. And then there's a bit um, like in the lead up to the final fight where you just feel like there is like those twenty minutes missing yeah. there. Those twenty minutes of of development that just isn't there and then everything is just happening for no reason and like no matter what film no matter what genre it was i was so the more i thought about it i was so cross and so disappointed because like i didn't even pay for it i saw it at a press screening but if you like that was not a finished film that should not have been released because it is not a finished product and it's it's ridiculous to ask people to pay to see something that isn't Yeah, it was, I mean, in in the wake of its release and abject failure as well, it has done really poorly at the box office. Mm -hmm. Um, There has been a lot of sort of back and forth on Twitter and in press releases and stuff. And it's becoming quite clear that it had a very troubled production. Um, And I mean, there were rumours of this before it even came out. So so this is uh, directed by Josh Trank who is an interesting guy and, a, a, in theory, a good choice to make this film. So he, he directed a film a few years back called Chronicle, uh, which was a found footage, kind of low-budget uh, superhero-style film about uh, a few teenagers who end up getting kind of superpowers. And they just kind of... It's a great premise. They just kind of dick about with it, basically, and like just do loads of stupid things that teenagers probably would do if they got superpowers. And then one of them becomes... Uh, kind of starts to get a bit egomaniacal and so the others have to take him down um and that that was like a really enjoyable film it was like quite a different spin it was quite a dark 
yeah. film at times. But it was fun and witty. Yes, yeah, and really inventive as well. Yeah. Um, even if the uh, the found footage thing really annoyed me, but I think that was mainly due to kind of budgetary constraints. It's quite a cheap way to make a film, I think, um, to do to do found footage style. Uh, so Josh Trank, that was basically the only main thing that he'd done, and that was I think that was something like twelve million dollars or something for Chronicle. Um, so this is his first kind of big big budget film, and there were rumours a little while ago that. Um, that it had all gone pretty wrong, basically. Uh, he was lined up to direct one of the Star Wars films. I think one... Is it one of the anthology spin-offs? It was going to be an anthology spin-off um, about Boba Fett. Yeah, the Boba Fett one. Um, so he was lined up to do that, and then he was removed from the project. And the rumour was that that word had gone around through, through a guy called Simon Kinberg, who looks after all of the Fox... Um, superhero properties and who is also working on the uh, he's a producer on the new Star Wars films uh, the word had gone around that Josh Trank was just not a reliable guy and that he wasn't easy to work with and that his uh, his reputation from the Fantastic Four had led to him being fired from Star Wars so there, were, there was talk for quite a while that this is all had all gone wrong but I don't think anyone quite realised how wrong <laughs> It's if if somebody if North Korea want to hack the Fox emails and figure out what the hell was going on. Oh my god! Like as much as it was terrible and wrong, and we shouldn't have read any of the Sony emails. I would read emails about this Fantastic yeah. Four film because I just want to know what the hell happened, like how it got to this point. Supposedly, that they near the end of the film of the of the process of the filming mm-hmm. process, they just they locked Josh Trank out of the. Um, editing booth and just uh, some executives or people working for the executives took complete control and started messing about with it and he didn't have any power over the finished cut. Well, he, he tweeted just after it came out and obviously they're kind of blasted by terrible reviews. He tweeted and then immediately deleted something saying like, a year ago I had a fantastic version of this film and you're never going to see it basically. So him trying to kind of shift the blame. Um, and it, it does look like a film that has had some serious, serious meddling done. So I don't doubt that it's not the film that he wanted to release. Um, we, I guess we can never really say whether that would have been better or not, but it might have at least been a bit more complete. Yeah, I don't think it would have been good because there are several things in this which we'll get to which were just completely irredeemably terrible anyway mm-hmm. many many issues with it from conception but yeah it would have at least been it would have made sense the Pearson problems would have been fixed it's one of the yeah. worst Pearson movies I've ever seen oh god it's all over the place it's kind of really really slow and then everything happens for no reason and then it jumps all the time and um, yeah yeah the pacing is really poor but it's I think this the thing with Josh Trank is Josh Trank is sort of a it's a cautionary tale about what can happen when you take an indie director who's had one movie and put him behind the wheel of a massive budget superhero movie because that's what everybody's doing these days the last few years all the big blockbuster movies have been directed by indie guys who've had one film of their name with kind of varying levels of, of success. So we had yeah. uh, Godzilla from Gareth Edwards, which was pretty disappointing, really. Like, there were good things in it, and you, it, compared to Fantastic Four, it is, it is a complete film. Yeah. Um, but it, there, were, there were some strange 
things going on in there like the 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 best character gets killed off like half an hour in and then you're left with a super boring guy instead and um but there were some interesting things in there and and i think it'll be interesting to see what they do with it next because in theory it was like a quite a, a good generally a good take on godzilla himself even if the film mm-hmm. wasn't perfect so we had that that was like kind of middling we mark, had mark webb Mark um, Webb doing Spider-Man, the Amazing yeah. Spider-Man films, after doing 500 Days of Summer, which, um, I mean, though, again, those are really messy films that there was so much messing around in in editing and post-production. And, like, you hear things with those Spider-Man films where they just, like, they just shot, like, so many things, like, so many different storylines and then just chose whichever ones they wanted yeah, to Yeah, I mean, in. you can really tell that, especially with the second Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, and Colin... Colin Trevorrow with Jurassic World, but that obviously did very, very well. So. Yeah, and I, I've seen that twice now. I love, I really like Jurassic Park. is my favorite film ever, um, and I really, really enjoyed Jurassic World. Like, I, I enjoyed it the first time. I had like super high expectations and like very nervous but excited about it, and I, I enjoyed it a lot. And then I saw it a second time, and just had like a total blast with it. Um, it's, there are there are it's not like absolutely perfect. Yeah, but it has it has its issues. Like, but yeah, it is fun. It is really it's enjoyable. a really really fun film, um, and it it, ha- it holds together well, I think. Um, so I think that's probably the most successful um, kind of output of this trend of taking uh, indie directors with one film to their name and then giving them huge summer summer blockbusters, um, and well. Fantastic Four is probably the worst. Yeah, I mean, just has to be. Just Tran made a good movie, and now his like is his career just over? Can you come back from this? It did so poorly, and not only that, it's managed to like the backlash has been against him, and all this stuff like getting kicked off the Star Wars movie and stuff. He's really taken the hit on it. He he should do. I think he should do another independent. He film. really should just get out of the studio system. Yeah, he had um. It looked like he had a lot of potential in him, but because of this, you know, whatever the hell went wrong with this movie, it's not looking great. But then even, like, Colin Trevorrow, I would really like to have seen Colin Trevorrow's next, like, mumblecore sci-fi movie, you know? Mm-hmm. But it, it, that might not happen again, because he's a... Uh, he's now just been announced guy. for... He's just been announced. So, did you see this announced yesterday um, that he is going to direct Star Wars oh, Episode yeah, Nine? Yeah. So uh, we're going to get we're getting a new Star Wars trilogy. First first episode, J.J. Abrams. Second film is going to be uh, Ryan Johnson, who did Looper, which is an amazing choice. And now a third one from uh, from Colin Trevorrow. I'm I'm well excited about that. Um, and just to go, just to continue this quick tangent, Gareth Edwards, who did Godzilla, um, is doing Star Wars Rogue One, oh, which yeah. is the film about the plans to seal the Death Star plans. And they just released the first image from that. It looks with great. Felicity Jones in a kind of all suited up, and the rest of the cast. And oh my god, it looks so good. That looks like, like a fun movie. That looks like a really good. It, well, it, it really better be because this Star Wars anthology thing is a bit of a gamble. I think it's a bit of a yeah, fight. it is, and it's definitely it's definitely Star Wars trying to do a a kind of Marvel interconnected universe. But yeah. I think they've got a lot of strong people involved. Um, I, I I'm nervous about it, but kind of good nervous rather than bad nervous. I think about those. Mm. Um, but to get back to Fantastic Four, should we? I think. 
if we if we talk through it from the start of the film chronologically, we, chronologically, then we will naturally go from the things that were quite good about it to the things that were very very bad about it. I'm trying to remember what was quite good about it because <laughs> I know there's certain bits of it that a lot of reviewers have have said were like the seven graces, which I even didn't quite get. You know, I, there was very little of it that I actually enjoyed in any way. Oh, apart from actually the start. So we'll start at the start. Okay, the, you go for it. You seem pumped up. The um, the bits with... It starts off with... Um, oh, well, should we do the plot, actually? Should we just... Yeah, yeah, go for the plot. Okay, so... God, the plot. So... Um, <laughs> the, the, the angst and the anger Reed flashing Richards across your face there. Reed Richards is a teenager... Um, a super smart teenager who gets a scholarship from the Baxter Foundation, which is a, a scientific like foundation, I guess. It's not quite a university, but it's it's, it's like maybe a government program or something. Anyway, they want him to develop his ideas for teleportation, etc. And um, it turns out he's actually created a portal to a parallel dimension. Um, and while he's there working on this parallel dimension portal, he meets um, he meets Sue Storm and Johnny Storm, who are the oh God, it's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> they are the son and daughter of the guy who runs the foundation, and he also meets Victor Von Doom, um, who is <laughs> basically a complete douchebag. Um, who should never have been let near any of this equipment. He's also a pretty smart scientist guy. And when they eventually, and I do mean eventually, find their way through to the parallel dimension, there's an accident and they all get superpowers. And that's basically the gist. That's that's the general gist. So uh, in terms of the good stuff, I thought actually the first like half an hour, 40 minutes of this, like... It wasn't amazing, but it was it was like decent enough. Had some a few good bits in it, a few bits that weren't so good, but it it held together. And it's the pacing for that was kind of, I, I thought was was fine, really. Um, See, I think I, what I enjoyed was the first five minutes or so when Reed Richards and Ben Grimm, who was Reed's friend, who helps him build things. They, they it starts off when they're kids. And mm-hmm. you get a sort of Amblin or like Super It was very Amblin, style. wasn't it? Yeah, it's, it's these two Although kids. I felt it was Amblin without the warmth. Like, yeah. It was, it was, it just felt very cold. Like when you watch Super 8, and um, I don't know, it's just got a real kind of, it's got a real kind of like nice warmth to it, and it makes you feel really nostalgic. And I felt like they were kind of going for that with this, but it felt quite cold. Um, and the one thing that just the like literally the very first thing in the film actually really annoyed me. So it starts off with the t- with the with young Reed Richards as a kid in class, and they have to do this presentation um, of what they want. I think it's like what they want to do when they're older. Yeah. Um, and so he goes up and he's like super smart little kid. Like he's he's like sitting drawing on his on his desk all these little like scientific things. And uh, he gets called up because it's his turn. And he's like, oh, I want to, like, find... I want to create interdimensional travel. I want to, like, go to another world in another dimension. And his teacher is basically like, what the? What are you talking about? Like, shut up, don't be stupid. And I was like, 
that that really that really annoyed me. Like, I'm sure if you're in school, and um, and what he's he's only supposed to be like ten or eleven. Um, if if you for what I want to do when I'm older said. Uh, I want to be a scientist, and I think it'd be really interesting to like look into interdimensional travel. Your teacher would probably be like, "Wow, that's really yeah. impressive!" Like this, this teacher was just like, "Oh yeah, uh, do that after you've invented the flying car." <laughs> <laughs> like sarcastic dickhead teacher. Do you know? Do you um, know who played the dickhead teacher? No, who was that? It was Homer Simpson. It was Dan Castle in there. Swear to God, no yeah. No way. That's <laughs> I, so I sp- weird. I spent ages thinking, like, who is this guy? It's like, oh my god, it's Homer Simpson. That's very strange. Um, but I just thought that was like a really weird note to open on. I know they want to cast him as like a bit of an underdog, but I was just like, I, that was something that I immediately didn't believe. As stupid as a, a point as it is, it immediately I was just like, what the what the hell? Like that's it's very strange. And then it flashes forward to years later. He's now like a senior in high school, and it's the science fair, which the science fair apparently features both like. 16-year-olds <laughs> and children with, like, pipi-mâché volcanoes and shit. Also, you say 16-year-olds, but they literally all look about 25. Yeah. Um, like, my my, uh, my friend leaned across to me and just said, like, just not 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 even try to be snarky. I think he was just being, just, just said, how old are they supposed to be? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how old they're supposed to be at this point. And then, then the dickhead teacher's still there. He's been teaching them for, like, you know, six yeah. years, um, and he's still he's judging the science fair, even though he clearly despises science and all its forms. And then he's like, "No, nah, this teleport there—it's a pain in the ass. It like explodes or something. It doesn't work." Last place in the science fair, and then this guy Franklin Storm comes in with his daughter <laughs> Sue Storm, and he's like, "Oh hi, like oh you, man, that teleport—that looks awesome. Do you want to come and work for me at the Baxter Foundation?" It's like. Who is this guy who just trolls science fans <laughs> looking for super geniuses? It, it's like, what that is? Have you not got better things to do with your time how, with science, this man? What is he many, doing? How there? many science fairs did he go to before he found one? He's been like walking through so many high school science fairs, thinking like, like ah, a potato clock, <laughs> or like well, not a, quite a functional my... model of a volcano with baking soda. Yeah. <laughs> And then, ah, oh, finally, the guy who's invented the teleporter. Oh. I, I did like that um, when they're still kids, we see um, <laughs> we see Reed Richards' like, very original model, and it's powered by loads of Nintendo 64s, mm. uh, all kind of strapped together. I liked that. That was just like a nice little touch. Oh my god, I've just remembered. Scratch all this stuff when I said that I like the flashback kid stuff, because the first, for me, absolute deal breaker moment for this movie was when Ben Grimm has an abusive older brother and <laughs> yeah, no, when his older it. brother kicks his ass he says the line he, he says like come here Ben it's clobbering time which is as fans will know Ben Grimm's the thing that's his catchphrase when he's about to kick some bad guy ass he goes it's clobbering time but <laughs> not only does that completely ruin that catchphrase for everybody, that is not what your abusive, like, older brother would say. He'd no. say, come here, you little shit, I'm going to murder you. He wouldn't say, like, it's clever in it's time. Clever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there are a few instances of, like, of, like, trying to work those phrases in as well, especially, like, Johnny Storm with Flame On, where it's, like, a, like a 
a command to his own power. Um, so, he, like, does it not work if he doesn't say flame on? But that is, it's clobber in time. It's like, it sums up one of the main problems with this movie, which is you can't make every superhero Batman. You can't make them no. all dark and grey. Like, they tried with Superman to, you know, varying degrees of success in Man of Steel, but this was just too much. The Fantastic Four are the daftest, most knockabout, light-hearted superhero team out there. And from what, what I understand with the comics as well is that it really ties into the whole, like, the cosmic area of the Marvel Universe. Yeah. So, like, like, not as far out, but, like... If you're going to compare it to the, uh, something in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it would be like the trippiness of Guardians of the Galaxy mm-hmm. um, in terms of like the outer space stuff. Um, whereas yeah. this was very like it was very grey, kind of drab sort of take. It just wasn't fun at all. But yeah, so it's clobbering time. That was horrendous. Yes. Moving on. Um, so they they're in the Baxter Foundation, and then they're all working together on. Uh, like just basically a bigger version of what um, yeah. of what Reed had made in his garage, um, and they Apart meet from... Victor Von Doom. Yeah, Whoa. yeah, Victor Von Doom. He he sort of was the person who came up with this idea years ago. Um, he's also like a, a savant genius um, from the fictional nation of Latveria, and they he's introduced by the. Franklin Richards is talking to his superiors and he's like, right, I've got this super kid, Reed Richards, we're going to build this teleporter finally, and but I need to bring I need to bring Victor Von Doom back in, and the guys are like Victor Von Doom? Like, after what he's done and stuff, it's like you wouldn't even need any precedent for that, you would just say, you want to bring in a guy called Victor Von Doom? (laughs) (laughs) He sounds like a well-adjusted character, yeah. I mean, is that even his name in in the comics? I swear yes. there's another. I swear there's another name for him though. His his name has always been Victor Von Doom in the comics, which is ridiculous. Right. But it's the comics. In the movie, he was originally written as Victor Domashev, mm-hmm. um, just for the movie, which you can kind of see where he would get the Doom from Domashev. But yeah. a lot of people were that. It was revealed that he was both going to be Victor Domashev and have the personality of an angry blogger. <laughs> and the angry blogger thing really pissed a lot of people off. I don't think they were that upset about Victor Domashev. It's, so they went back and got rid of all of that, including mm-hmm. him. So he's now Victor Von Doom, which is... If you're going to go so far as to have its clover in time be the catchphrase of the things bully an older brother, you, in the name of like realism, you would, you, you would take... Victor Von Doom would be the first thing to go, you know? Just well, that that would be name. if they're going to go for the angry, uh, angry blogger thing. Have that be his like stupid net, like net title, like his, yeah, like do, his, handle, his handle, like at at, on at Doom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and he was he was a knob, wasn't he? He was. And when he's introduced, he is sitting in a dank room with long hair, surrounded by um, computers. So I think like Neo at the start of the Matrix. Yeah, that's kind of a vestige of the angry blogger thing. Um, but yeah, he was. Oh man, Doom! Doom is the greatest casualty of all. <laughs> it was. We're... Should we should we come back to Doom? We'll later come back to there's Doom. so much Doom stuff well, we'll to talk about later in the film. Be, yeah. Um, um, so one thing I did like about this film 
like in in this opening bit there were like there were flashes of good ideas and i liked some of the motivation stuff so i know like i know some people weren't as keen on this but basically they finished the machine um and they all sit around uh and get a bit drunk because they're celebrating finishing the machine and they have this little conversation where they're like um the, the guy who's built the first space rocket we, nobody knows his name but everyone knows um Everybody knows him. Everyone (laughs) knows the first guy who walked on the moon. Yes. What's he called? Um, Remind us. Armstrong. I can't remember his first name. Stretch. Stretch Armstrong. Lance Armstrong. Um, (laughs) Buzz Aldrin is always the one that pops into my head, even though he was second, because he's called Buzz. Well, that is is great. I'm sure Buzz Aldrin's really glad to hear that. Neil Armstrong. Neil Armstrong. Neil Armstrong. Um, but Buzz Aldrin, by the way, I love that um, he's now just like totally open to taking the piss out of himself. Mm. There is that he appears, he has a cameo in an episode of Thirty Rock, um, where he just stands with um, with Liz Lemon, with Tina Fey's character, and they both just stand there and shout at the moon, <laughs> and he like shakes his fist at the moon and shouts, "I walked on your face." <laughs> um, uh, Buzz Aldrin also punches out dudes who. Um, claim that the moon landing was faked. <laughs> yeah, he did. He punched someone, didn't he? Yeah, it was like a, a crazy conspiracy <laughs> journalist who keeps bothering all the time, bothering this elderly man about <laughs> <laughs> um, not walking on the moon. And Buzz Aldrin was having none of it. him. Um, uh, anyway, so they're having this conversation saying, like, everyone knows who Neil Armstrong is, apart from me, apparently. Um, uh, but no one knows the guy who, made, who built the rocket. So they were like, like why don't we why don't we do it like why don't we be the first people uh let's just go in it now and go to this alternate dimension which yes is a stupid idea but i liked that idea because i felt like it tied into this whole like i think even before uh johnny storm explicitly mentions it it for me it tied into this whole like instagram slash kind of the first generation where like everyone's got to be the first person to do something and like they want they want to go just to say that we were the first people that did it like we want to like just get go there for the kudos and then we'll come back and then we'll do a proper mission um so i liked that that idea as a motivation of them just like getting a bit drunk and being arrogant teenagers and saying like hey we made this like why don't we get the glory for it and i i liked that and then it immediately really pissed me off because they went to the planet they get in uh, to this thing and it opens a portal and they go to an alternate dimension called Planet Zero. Um, so I've got to point something out oh, here. Yeah, yeah. In the comics, the alternate dimension is called the Negative Zone, right? Oh, okay. It's, it's a really sort of um, important part of the Marvel lore when you get into like, the cosmic side of things. Um, in the movie, they called it Planet Zero, which, again, is completely ridiculous. Planet Zero sounds stupider than the Negative Zone, so why did they bother changing it? Also, um, you say the Negative Zone. Is this in the... Um, like, because they've strayed from the, the classic Fantastic Four, like, the original 60s yeah, um, origin. It, this is from, like, what is it, Ultimate Fantastic Four or something? Yeah, in the original, they just... It's, it's a space mission. They go into space, like in the, in the original film. It's a space mission, but these—I I, I think that's that's quite a good idea to change that to the negative zone because it's still something that Reed Richards discovers in the comics just a bit later on, and it's like it's hard to because that obviously that was in the sixties, you know. It's hard to um, make space travel sound as exciting these days. Like 
oh, we're going up into space. That's we're not the first people to do that, you know. Whereas with the negative zone, it's legitimately something that we haven't done yet. So I think that was probably a good idea. But I don't understand why they call it Planet Zero because it's neither a planet, <laughs> and that and that just sounds much sillier. Also, uh, we say uh, they go to the planet. I'm going to spark you off here because I know this is something that annoyed you. Yeah. We say they go to the planet, but it's Reed Richards, uh, Johnny Storm, uh, Ben Grimm, and Victor Von Doom. And Sue Storm does not go to the planet. Yeah. I'm so the girls to... don't get to play with the guys on the new planet. She has to say and just be really boring and talk about how much she loves Porter's head. <laughs> I'm which gonna... is like her only characterization. Yeah, in the she loves patterns. Film. She likes music because she likes patterns, and then later on, her love of patterns saves the day. It's like she, what does she like sit at home like crocheting or something? She just loves <laughs> patterns. Even if she did, that would be great. At least we'd know something more about her other than her just saying like, "Oh yeah, like I like I like music." And uh, she gets that line, and then she like does a lot of standing around and like tapping on computers. Mm. And then, uh, apart from like flying around in a stupid CGI bubble, like that's all she does for the entire film. Uh, she doesn't even get to go to the planet, which sucks. Yeah, that is just atrocious. It's like the Fantastic Four are Reed Richards, Ben Grimm, Johnny Storm, and Sue Storm, not the three of them and Doctor Doom. It, it, it's like, why did they not invite Sue? Why did they invite? It's like. Johnny, Reed, and Victor are getting pissed and talking about Neil Armstrong and they say, right, we're going to go in this teleporter, we're going to do it. And then Reed's like, oh, hang on, first of all, even though it's the middle of the night, I'm going to ring me mate Ben, who none of you have ever met. <laughs> yeah. It has nothing to do with anything. He's going to drive like 20 minutes into the centre of town. Um, but to... let's not tell Sue. Yeah, let's not tell Sue. We won't bother with Sue. And it's not even like it's not even like they made a point of it where they were like she would ask Sue and someone's like oh no she'd like stop us because she's like the sensible one like yeah. they don't even mention it like that they just they just don't think about it even though that is what happens she she comes and she she finds out that they're using the teleporter comes and tries to stop them and doesn't go to the planet and still somehow gets superpowers just because she's in the room when they come back which is ridiculous as well. And... Um, and it annoyed me when they were on the planet because, um, I, like I said, I liked their motivation where they were like, "Let's let's be the first people. Yeah. Let's just go and do it and say we've been on it, and then uh, and then we can say we did it." So they they've explained that their own motivation is just to go and like be there for a couple of minutes, and then when they get there, they start like wandering about and doing things and touching um, the ominous green goo oh yeah there's like so there's this like green liquid everywhere glowing green liquid that seems to be like what is it like humming or like it's mm. it's like clearly like a an active maybe living sort of thing and it goes into full on stupid like Prometheus territory where they find the creepy kind of some kind of creepy alien goo and instead of like wandering like getting away from it they decide to touch it and then it all goes wrong but it annoyed me that um like i think it would have been a great motivation um if they get to the planet and victor von doom's like right we're here now let's start wandering around and then reed richards uh would be like no we said we'd just come here let's go home because he's the nerdy one yeah like and that would have started like uh, some proper friction between the two um where Victor Von Doom wants to keep going, and Mister Fantastic wants to like to be like, no, let's go home. Let's like let's 
like we can sort this like this they can just go back any time i don't understand why they're on the first time there when they're drunk yeah they just decide to like start pissing around because even if you were drunk you would sober up hella quickly on a planet that you've never been to before with all this scary green goo and you know you've just cracked into dimensional travel and they're not even that drunk they've got the tiniest hip flask in the entire world um so it annoyed me that they didn't use that because that like it felt really out of character and that could have been something that set up the initial rivalry between between reed richards and victor von doom or why not have Doctor Doom be the guy that gets left behind. Like they're all getting drunk talking about Neil Armstrong and stuff, and then they're like, "Oh well, oh should we invite? Should we invite Doom?" And they're like, "No, we're not going to invite Doom. He's a complete dick." So they get there, and then Doom's the guy who finds out and has to come back and bring them back instead of Sue. And yeah. then Doom is jealous that they've got superpowers and he didn't, and that they got to go to the zone and he didn't. We have already made a better idea for a film than they had in the one they made. Anyway, so then we get the body horror scene. Yes, and this is something else that like it's it's not the Fantastic Four, but I I quite liked it. Like so, basically they all get these their powers, and it does at, at least a vague job of trying to explain why they get different powers. So as they're leaving the the planet, the machine is kind of breaking, and like all these rocks fall against Ben Grimm, and that's why he becomes the thing. He's like a big rock monster guy. Um, I can't remember what happens with Reed and why he's all stretchy. Um, there was a brilliant scene when, um, after the machine's blown up, Reed's mm-hmm. got his foot stuck underneath some rubble and he's trying to crawl to reach Ben and he's crawling mm-hmm. for ages and you know what's going to happen. Yeah. And he turns around and he's like, oh my God, my leg's really it's long. He's got like, super strong stretchy legs. And like that was genuinely quite horrific. And I, I thought at least, like if you're going to do a dark Fantastic Four, like... Like, like, go for it, and they did go for it with those scenes. Like, they were quite creepy. Mm-hmm. I've got written down here. Um, where is it? Uh, Mister Fantastic hates his legs <laughs> with a thumbs up, um, and then he then he like passes out and he wakes up and his like all of his limbs are like really stretched out and he looks like some kind of weird science experiment. That was creepy, yeah. Which was really creepy as well. Um, like, it was unnecessarily grim, but if they were going to go for that, then I thought that was, like, that was an image that stuck in my mind as, a, as something where you go, like, okay, this hasn't been done before. Mm. I think we all know as well why the thing was really, really upset. Uh, so he kind of, like, emerges. He's, like, literally just a pile of rocks, and then he kind of, like, cracks himself out of it, and he's got a face. Um but one thing that got left behind either on planet zero or in the giant pile of rocks was his uh thing. his thing uh he's he's not got a penis and no. he, in in the other films and in the comics he wears like little stretchy pants kind of like hulk style um he's got like little kind of shorts no pants like, the budget didn't stretch the pants He's like he's got he's got like a rock butt, <laughs> <laughs> and then on the front he's like he's like a Ken doll but made out of rocks. <laughs> so obviously, there's all the questions about how does the ping, the ping, how does the thing piss? Is what I was going to say there. Yes, how does, does he, he need to? Because does... surely he needs all of the all of the liquid that he can get because he's a pile of rocks. It's. I like to think that his actual human penis is in there, buried beneath the rocks, and it just sort of trickles out through a crack. <laughs> That's so grim. It's ben That's grimmer grim. than Reed's legs. <laughs> it's Ben Grimm. <laughs> that is Ben Grimm. Um, 
where is the thing's junk is what I had written down. Um, yeah, so that's that sucks. Uh, Sue Storm just keeps like disappearing, and then oh, the the um, Johnny Storm stuff is also quite disturbing, where he's just like constantly on fire and like screaming, um, which is really intense. But then he gets over it very quickly, um, and that leads us to the. Uh, for me, this was the point. I like I said towards the beginning. Yeah. That there is one point that you can you can just say this is exactly when it started to fall apart, that it started to fall apart, and so you've. I mean, this all happens like almost like an hour into the film, like forty forty five yeah, minutes to an hour into was, the film. This is the piercing issues. It takes a, a, at least half the movie for them to actually get the superpowers. And you go, okay, so this is going to like basically be the film. Like, it takes a long time for them to get the powers, but it spends as much as similar characterization is stupid. It spends a lot of time with the characters, and you go, like, okay, so the main gist of the film is probably going to be them coming to terms with their powers because it's all horrific, uh, and spending time as they get used to it and get used to each other. And then suddenly, Reed escapes. He stretches himself through events. Leaves his uh, friends behind. Leaves his friends behind, says to Ben Grimm, I'm going to come back for you. And then, cut to black, and uh, it says, one year later. And you just go, what the, what are you doing? What is the point of setting up this whole thing where it's supposed to be about them getting to like know their powers and like it being really disturbing and... Then you just skip a whole year ahead. Like that's that's the year that we want to see yeah. if you're going to do this film. Like I am sure, I'm sure they must have shot stuff. Like they must have had a lot of stuff there well, that I think they just wanted to get rid of. I, I know for a fact that they did because the thing, the th- what happens during this year is the thing gets sort of taken in by the army. And Why is say, everyone obsessed with the army this year? Sorry, this yeah. is another thing. <laughs> this was the one thing for me that really didn't work in Jurassic World, where you've got Hoskins, um, who is the guy, who is uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, um, who, like, he sees the raptors and he's like, we can use the raptors in the army, which, like, is quite a, like, is a silly idea. But they really, like, push that, and they push this, like... I understand that they're going for, like, if you had this technology like it would probably be co-opted by the military at some point but it feels like a thing a a real thing at the moment where like lots of these new blockbusters are obsessed with stuff being taken by the army um and yeah so the thing was that yeah it gets taken by the army and they say we'll find you a cure but you've got to like smash things up yeah in the meantime clubber some clubber some enemies yeah so there is a scene in the um you never, you never see this happening. You see like video footage in the background of the mm-hmm. thing throwing some tanks around or something. In the trailer, in one of the trailers, there's a really badass looking moment where the thing gets dropped out of the helicopter. Yeah. And the, the thing's being like dropped onto some kind of compound where you think, oh, the thing's going to land there and like beat up the bad guys and it's going to be really cool. And that was totally absent. There was probably more, but that's the one that really left out because mm-hmm. that looked quite cool in the trailers and that's totally absent in the movie. So I think there were scenes during that period which sort of established the status quo of Ben working for the military, um, which would have been quite cool, which ended up getting deleted for some reason. And, I mean, there's other stuff as well. Obviously, there's going to be so many things that come out where it's like, oh, this was going to be in it. But um, some pictures emerged the other day um, of... You'll know more about this because this wasn't in the original... in the other films. uh, The Fantastic R... 
like no. their like flying car. So there is there are pictures of the Fantastic Car on set. What? And that is why there's a reference. There's that joke at the beginning the with the teacher, car. where uh, well, yeah, where where Reed Richards says, "Oh, I'm going to crack into interdimensional travel," and the teacher says to him, "Oh yeah, after you've finished your flying car, ha ha ha." Um, so the Fantastic Car is like it's a flying car, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, it's a big dumb flying car. There's there's two versions. There's one which looks a bit more just like a flight, like what you would expect from a flying car. And there's one which is a big daft sort of plane thing with four different compartments that they all ride in. So I think this one is literally like, it's like a a rusty car that they like strap loads of stuff onto. And that was like, there are images of that on set. Oh my God, that is tragic. That would have been so badass. Like, yeah, so you just hear about all these things that were like, would have been major components that just are not there at all. So this is one of the things where I say it's a broken film and it's it's just got these huge chunks missing and you feel it so much. So it comes up saying one year later um, and Reed Richards is like hiding out in the woods and he's like trying to come to terms with his power and he's trying to like work out what happened. Oh, also we forgot to say that Victor on Doom fell into the green goop on yeah, Planet Zero and got left there. there. Um um, and then, I, to be honest, I can't even really remember exactly what happens after this one-year jump, because from here on in, the entire film is just a mess. Like, it goes from the first third being, like, not amazing, but, like, decent enough and it hangs together. Then, from the one-year time jump, there's about 20 minutes where um, where it's, like, again, there's, like, it's not all exclusively terrible but it's so messy and like stuff just happens and the flow and the pacing is completely off and then there's the final 20 minutes which is just like is an absolute mess and everything in it is terrible yeah. as well so Reed is sort of on the run Bruce Banner style because um, the military are trying to get him and the military are because uh, Thing wants him as well Thing's pissed off because he thinks that Reed's just abandoned them so the military and the thing are trying to get Reed back and um, he's sort of hiding out in a shack somewhere, finding technology here and there to try and find a cure for the thing. Um, and I think the, the, the first action scene of any kind in this movie comes when, and it's very brief, comes when the thing and a few soldiers try and capture Reed. They track him down mm-hmm. and, they try, and it lasts for probably less than a minute mr fantastic yeah. punching some soldiers with his stretchy arms and you don't even really see his stretchy arms properly you never get to see his like his powers like yeah uh, this is about an hour into a a movie which is an, about hour. an hour and 40 yeah hour and a half it's really short um probably because of all these hour. big missing bits yeah it's this is this is quite a while into this movie and it's the first action scene that lasts a couple of minutes and yeah he never none of them really use the powers to the full capability he never uses these stretchy powers very much and Invisible Woman never really was invisible. You see the force no. fields getting She used. does the force field a lot. She never does like uh, maybe sneaking through an enemy base while being invisible or anything. It's it's sort of wastes that power. She gets she gets nothing to do and when she does use the force fields, like so she can create force fields and also she can create like bubble force fields that she can fly in. Mm. Um and Christ, like that was one of the worst 
effects I think I've ever seen. Like it just looks derpy as hell when she's like flying around in a bubble. It's it looks like Violet from The Incredibles. It's pretty like just transposed onto a live action movie. Basically, yeah. Yeah, it really it does not fit in whatsoever, like with with anything else. Um so like loads loads of just like boring nonsensical shit happens here and like Reed gets taken back to the base and Ben is really annoyed with him. Johnny is like kind of comfortable with everything now. He can like he's happy because he can fly. Yeah. Um, oh my god, there's that scene where um where Johnny is flying around and destroying drones and it has like some of the worst CGI I think I've ever seen in my life. Oh yeah, there's a bit where um where the, the military guys are in a plane and Johnny mm-hmm. flies past the plane. Um, that was really dodgy CGI, and he I think he shoots a plane down and um, it lands on the base. That was really dodgy. The, there's a moment, there's a bit in Chronicle um, where they've just got their powers and they're all like pissing around and they're throwing a an American football around in the sky. That's flying. the best scene in the film. I love that. Yeah, a great scene, and this is like a, a like a low budget film, and that looks better than. Um, than Johnny Storm, the Human Torch, flying around in the Fantastic Four, which costs like hundreds, yeah. hundreds um, of millions. So then, I think what happens is Johnny is just desperate to start fighting the military, like the thing, and he goes off to do that. And then Sue's like, Sue doesn't want him to; she's worried about him. So she gets, she gets Reed to fix the teleporter, and they send some guys back to the negative zone which is what I'm calling it, to (laughs) see if they can find some kind of material that might cure them. Right? Is that what happens? Or something like that? I I genuinely can't remember. I might have messed that up. But but again, it's something that the film doesn't make clear. Yeah. Because it's very messy. While they're there, they find, and this is, because I was timing this, this occurs 15 minutes before the end of the movie. Right. Really? This is, is that I was it? timing this. This occurs at around the 85 minute mark of this 100 minute movie. The military who are in the negative zone find Victor Von Doom alive and well, and his um, his space suit has fused to his body. So this version of Doctor Doom, instead of wearing a mask, has an actual metal face, which he and, can't move. Um, I mean, it, again, it's an idea. Like that's quite like a horrific idea that could yeah. have been pulled off well like so his, his suit is fused and like there's the one bit that is decent on it is like the collar around where his helmet would have connected to his suit is like fused around his collarbone and that looks like that actually looks quite creepy mm. but apart from that this has to be probably the worst character design i think i've ever seen in a mainstream hollywood blockbuster yeah i can't even compare it to like my usual go-to reference for crap movie villains is oh they look like a power rangers villain this is like sub Power Rangers levels. Like he's got tiny, tiny eyes. He's got like tiny green eyes. He's got and like nothing resembling a mouth or anything. You can't and nothing resembling Toby Kebble, who plays. Yeah. Uh, and this is another thing. Um, the thing looks nothing like Jamie Bell at all. No, like there is such a disconnect. Like because Jamie Bell, uh, who plays Ben Grimm. Like he's 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 really good. He's good in the first half of the film. He's one of the more sympathetic characters in it. And then as soon as he becomes the thing, it's such a big disconnect that you don't even really connect those two characters in your head. Um, and 
yeah, similarly, Victor Von Doom looks nothing like Doctor Doom. So they, they bring him back, um, and then the guy called Victor Von Doom surprisingly betrays everybody and starts blowing up dudes' heads. Which is like, it's, this is pro- it's one of the most like hardcore things I think I've seen in, <laughs> was in a 12-rated film. Yeah, he blo- he was... like, walks through the base and just like blows everyone's heads up yeah. as he walks past them. But the first time he does it, it's to like, the lead military guy. Um, he, it's really sort of slow and graphic the way he yeah, yeah. Um, and to be honest, like again, if they were going for like a really dark take on on this material, like I, I liked that as an idea of saying like this guy is insane and he's like awful and he makes everyone's heads explode. Like that is as as a as a power that makes you think, oh my god, this guy has to be stopped. That's that's pretty good. Like that's pretty badass. But then you also think like what the the tone of this film is all over the place where a lot of it's really dark and then it gets so silly and then you think, oh my god, there's this like guy with tiny green eyes who looks stupid as hell is now making everyone's like heads blow up really graphically. That's not that's such a random power because it's not I, I guess his power is telekinesis in this. Like uh-huh. that's kind because of, he, he levitates some rocks and stuff later on. Yeah. But he uses it for the first five minutes of his 15 minutes of screen time blowing up Randall's heads. It's like... So, it, sorry. So, <laughs> I can't. I just can't. So he, he goes through the base and blows everyone's heads up and goes... He gets back in the machine and goes back to Planet Zero. And, uh, sorry, the negative zone negative is how it's meant to call it. So, and this is the point where you go, okay, they've set up the villain. Now we want, like, 20 minutes of... The Fantastic Four, uh, like basically coming together as a team, sitting down, going like, "Oh my God, how do we, how do we stop Doctor Doom?" Like, uh, giving some resolution to their problems through the mm-hmm. film. Like, we want some resolution between Reed and and Ben, uh, and we want to see more of Sue becoming in control of her powers uh, in preparation and as a build up to this big showdown with Doctor Doom. Yeah. This that is, is what we want. This is what in any other movie would happen about halfway through the about two thirds of the way through the movie, halfway through, you would get the first sort of confrontation with the villain, which goes badly wrong for the heroes, and then they have to come back later on after they've learned something and take him out. That is just basic. I'm not saying that every like blockbuster movie should follow the same formula, but that is pretty basic cinematic plot construction. That's yes. like screenwriting one oh one. And not only that, but the villain because he's absent for most of it, has no he is not the driving force of the movie. These superhero movies are always the villain acts and then the heroes react. What they do for for most of the movie should be trying to stop the villain, but he he has no effect on the plot of the movie at all because no. he is he's not there until fifteen minutes before the end. He's not an antagonist in the traditional sense at all. So as we said, like if this was a, any other film, you'd have this build-up. You'd have a bit of character resolution, and there would be like a build-up and excitement leading into this final fight. What happens is Doctor Doom goes to the planet, creates this portal that starts like sucking up cars, yeah, <laughs> cars and, and uh, forks, cars, the odd folk, and uh, a few trees. Yeah. Uh, so the Fantastic Four. Or well, they're not even the Fantastic Four. They the these four guys. These four guys who still all hate each other. Barely know each like, other at all. They're just acquaintances. 
Yeah, like, because they knew each other for like two weeks and then they didn't see each other for a year. Yeah. Um, like, they... The Fantastic Four is supposed to be a family. That's their defining characteristic as a team. Yeah. They all, that was what made them unique when they came in. No superheroes have done this before. They were a family before they became superheroes. They are Reed and Sue are a couple, Johnny is Sue's brother, and Ben is Reed's best friend from childhood. That is who they are. In this movie, they've never met. Apart from Ben, Apart from ben and, ben and Reed. Reed knew each other, and Sue and Johnny are obviously brothers brother and sister, even though you would not get that from watching their interactions at all. No. Um, they are... like Ben's never met these people before. Ben doesn't know who Sue and Johnny are. And and we're supposed to expect them to be this this team, this family. There's no repartering. So they... Uh, instead of having this build-up, they immediately go to the planet to kill Doctor Doom, or yeah. to try and stop him. But they don't really like know anything about each other. There's no relationship between them. They there's no been no resolution of of them kind of like figuring out their powers or anything. So it kind of comes out of nowhere, and they follow him to the planet. And the last ten minutes of this film is like the worst, worst superhero showdown I think I've ever seen. Like it's it's video gamey as hell, and the CGI is awful, and you can't tell what's going on. And it's, it's the only action sequence in the movie. It's the only yeah. full-blown action scene. Also, they don't explain, like, what's actually happening. Like, so there's a portal on Earth, and then there's, like, a big light shining into the sky from the portal on Planet Zero. Uh, but something, like, it's Doctor Doom keeping the portal alive. Yeah, there's no uh, stakes. There's no stakes. There's, like, there's no explanation for what's, like, actually happening. Like, even if it was just some random... Uh, like techno babble that was thrown in there just to be like, oh, it's the Wajima Flugit needs is blah, blah, blah. like at least that would be the film badly, uh, but yeah. like trying to rationalize what's happening. Whereas it's like they've just gone, oh, if we just put the big portal, like people understand, like no one's gonna, no one's gonna question it. But it means that everyone sits there watching it here, like what the what is happening, like and then. Uh, Doctor Doom creates this like floating rock platform like some like really bad video game villain uh, so he's like standing on this floating rock platform and I don't even know what to say about this fight because it was just balls like <laughs> it was it, absolute balls it starts off it's, it's, it's a very basic it's a really obvious sort of trajectory for the fight they all attack Doom individually once and fail and then um Oh god, the dialogue. Then, the dialogue yeah. in this bit is awful. Reed says that there's two absolutely incredible lines that you could just say along with it. Like, do um, Reed says to Doom, he says like, "Oh come on, Victor, you know, we're supposed to be friends. What's wrong with you, Victor?" And, and Doom goes, <laughs> "There is no Victor. There is only, only Doom." Doom. <laughs> so that's great. And then after the ball had the shot attacking Doom and failed. Um, the, I think the thing says we can't beat him, he's stronger than any of us and Reed goes, yeah but he's not stronger than all of us oh my god it's so bad yeah. so they have to team up and use their powers in concert to um, take him down there was also another um, really terrible line, like a super like beyond cliche uh, where when Doctor Doom's going around making people's heads explode. He kills uh, Sue and Johnny's dad. Ah, Franklin Richards, yeah. And where it. everyone else, everyone else's heads explode, like, 
his head doesn't explode because he needs uh, he needs them to lean in close while he says his dying words of like, make sure you stick together as a team or something like this, and like you could just hear the entire cinema just groan like it was oh it was beyond cliche it was bad 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 uh yeah so the the final fight scene is just like it's it's terrible and it's really short and the cgi is awful and you don't know what's going on and it's clear that they reshot loads of it because it's just like individual shots of them rather than than the team working together um and it's just like over pretty quickly. I think what do they they blast him into the portal? Yeah, and then he gets sucked a bit in the portal and dies. He dies. Doctor Doom dies. dies. They kill Doctor Doom. Pretty, he's he's dead. It, it would be pretty difficult to bring him back. He just sort of gets torn apart by this portal. So if they did ever do a sequel, Doctor Doom wouldn't be in it. So th- like, and then and then it it basically ends. They go back to they go back to Earth, and. Um, I, can't, I can't believe they did this. They it ends in exactly the same way as Avengers: Age of Ultron, which came out like three, three, four months ago. And you would have thought that that was enough time for somebody at Fox to say, "Oh yeah, you know that ending uh, that we got for the Fantastic <laughs> Four? Um, we've kind of been beaten to it by Marvel, and they've done a much better job of it than us." So it ends with the 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 kind of four, the team of the four. Uh, standing around, and uh, they're like, "Oh, we we need a name. Wouldn't that be fantastic?" And you can hear everyone in the cinema just going, like, oh, say it. "You're in the say play it. that this conversation went on for like two minutes. They they really they were talking about what they were going to be called for what felt like ages, and they all came <laughs> up with really cringy joke names that I can't even I'm not even going to say them because I was just cringing so hard my face was going to implode it was <laughs> and like I think to say like oh Reed says like oh why don't we call us Big Brain and then three neurons and then oh my god then so bad. Sue goes oh what about Big Brain and her three neurons <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> it goes on for so long it's really bad and then and then somebody says something like something that, that was really fantastic that was really fantastic and then they all look at each other oh, well, and, yeah. and then like yeah everyone was just like don't say it please don't say it please don't say it and then he said and reads like say that again and he just goes fantastic and then and then it ends and the, no then the words no. fantastic four come up on the screen um, yeah. to proceed to credits which is exactly what happens at the end of avengers when cap is about to say Avengers Assemble. He says, Avengers, uh, and then it cuts off. Yeah. Which was a great, like, a fun, a funny way to end that. But yeah, Christ. And then, um, <laughs> okay, so we've kind of worked through the entire plot, and we've done over an hour already, but there is still so much to talk we about. We are, we are not um, stopping. We're not stopping. This is going to be a long one. Um, right, one thing that was hilarious, um, towards the end of the film. So, like I said, I, went, I saw this at a press screening, um, and it was the day before the film came out and the, lots of the reviews had come out saying like oh my god it's terrible and I was like do you know what I like, I want this to be good like I want this to have like I, I want to go in and look for the, the redeeming features in this because even if it's bad like, I'd bro- like I'm quite interested in it as a as like a different take on it um, and then I got annoyed because 
there was one guy uh, sat uh, just a little bit further down from us who, like, at every and any opportunity was, like, like laughing really loudly, like, really, like, pointedly, like, as if to say to everyone in the screening, like, ha, 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 I'm laughing at this because it's stupid, ha, 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 aren't I funny? And that really pissed me off. I was like, like, just shut up. Like, you're laughing at stuff that's, like, a bit stupid, but it's not, like, rolling in the aisles hilarious. Not and like just Batman like, and Robin or something. No, it's not, like, it's not, like, super campy like that. Yeah. Um, and then, like, as it got really bad towards the end, like, everyone was laughing because it was hilariously bad. And the bit that really set me off. So they they, uh, they defeat Doctor Doom <laughs> and they come back to Earth um, and they have a meeting with the military and they're sat, they're sat around the table and in the middle of the table it's just a plate of croissants. <laughs> <laughs> And this guy, this guy on, on the row behind me just said, anybody want a croissant? And like everyone, everyone just lost it. And then before the end of that scene, you just see, um, I think, I think maybe Johnny Storm has like a half eaten croissant on his plate. And you just think, oh, that so is so Johnny. <laughs> so much shit went wrong in this film. And like there was, there's like such a lack of attention to detail all around on the one thing that they did detail-wise was put croissants on the table at this military meeting. It would be, oh it would my be God, great that, if that was like Johnny Storm's trademark favourite food from the comics. Like, you know, but the it's Teenage not... Ninja Turtles eat pizza yeah. Oh my God, it was just so, it was it was just like so absurd after this like terrible, terrible third act that that just absolutely destroyed me and ended up um, like whenever I know we're going to do podcast stuff I immediately on my phone just make a big list of things that are in my head that are floating around my head when the film ends and at the very top of my list is croissants <laughs> it was so oh it was so funny it was so funny um, and yeah like like I said there was like real audible groaning at the end uh, when they say the, the fantastic line and like there were just so many points towards the end where everyone was just they just had it. I, they I just was had waiting it. for stuff that never came. Like I was thinking, wouldn't it be excellent if? And I mean, excellent in like air quotes here. They when they get their own military compound at the end with a lab in as a reward for saving the world. And um, I was thinking, wouldn't it be amazing? I can so easily picture this zooming out and then like into like a, a bird's eye shot, and it's in the shape of a four, like the building's <laughs> yeah. in the shape of a four on the ground. That would have been spectacular. <laughs> Um, there was also like a really, really pointed line towards the end. It felt like a very pointed line uh, where where they they are going to become their own team. And Sue says to a military man, "She's like, uh, we just want to be left alone to do things our way." And that literally felt like a cry for help of saying, "Like, we just want to be part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Please, just let us go and be part of Marvel." Even Josh Trank saying, <clears throat> "Please, studio, leave me alone mm-hmm. and let me edit my yeah. movie." Yeah, definitely. No. Oh god. Um, what else is on my list? Uh, I've got a bit. <laughs> I just wrote the nothingness inside, um, and I think that's because it gets to the end of the film, and because there are so, all these chunks missing, um, and the pacing is just crazy. Like by the end of it, you feel like you've not watched anything. Like yeah. it was the same as when you finish watching Man of Steel, and you're like. I've just watched a two and a half hour film, but I feel like I've learned nothing about Superman or Clark Kent. Like it was just a series of things happening, 
um, but that d- didn't tell me anything about this character. And I felt again with the Fantastic Four. I mean, it's so short. It's like an it's hour and forty. So, well, so um, much stuff must have been taken out. Yeah, and it, so it just gets to the end, and you feel like you feel like you've just watched nothing. Yeah, I mean, the Pearson was what really takes it over the edge. The Pearson was what made me think this is the worst superhero movie I've ever seen because. Just for some perspective, because I was timing things on my phone because I heard criticisms about the about the person. So I was like, right, how long does this happen for? Doctor Doom's on screen for 15 minutes. They're building the machine for 20 at the start. There are montages of them doing paperwork and like typing on computers <laughs> and things. And building the machine for 20 goddamn minutes. That is not cinema, you know? And, and your villain's only on screen for 15. And not even on screen. He's on screen for about 10. And then he, he dies five minutes before the end. Do you, do you want to talk about um, about Doctor Doom? Um, because I, I know he's one of your favorite Marvel villains, yeah. and you were like, you were like, before the film came out, in the run up to it, you were like, I'm just excited to get Doctor Doom back because he was done really badly in the other films, and actually, like, even aside from Fantastic Four, he's one of the best Marvel villains, and yeah. like, we need him back in action. And then you saw what they did with him here for yeah. about ten minutes before they killed him. Um, so, do you want to just talk about? I mean, Doctor Doom is. One of the greatest, Doctor, the, the Fantastic Four not being in the cinematic universe is one thing, but it's really, it's a shame that we can't have Doctor Doom because he is sort of the, the big bad of the Marvel Universe. You know, he's just great. Like in the in the Secret Wars event at the moment, the big blockbuster Secret Wars event, he is the, he is the villain in that. It's like all about Doom. He is just an incredible character. It was the inspiration for, like, Darth Vader. It was the original, like, archetypal supervillain. And they just can't do him in movies. They can't... In the, in, the, in the previous Fantastic Four movies, he was really, really butchered. And... But here, they don't do him any better. And the, the thing that always gets me is they have to... They feel the need for, I guess, simplicity's sake, to tie his origin in with that of the Fantastic Four. So in, in the in the other movies, he is on the spaceship with them, right? When they go into space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he gets superpowers from that. He gets electricity powers. In this, he goes to the negative zone with them and he comes... He, he ends up with telekinetic powers in the same way. Doctor Doom has neither electricity powers or telekinetic powers. He is just a badass dude who wears a metal suit, he's good at magic, and he owns a country. And that is like, all you, that is all you need. And he, the great thing about his character is that he wasn't one of these, there's so many supervillains, especially in Marvel, like um, the Spider-Man rogues gallery, for example, who mm-hmm. were involved in like scientific accidents and got the superpowers and that drove them a bit mad. And what's great about Doctor Doom is he was an abs- he's been a, an absolute monster his entire life. He was he's just a, an arrogant like dickhead who thinks that he thinks that he is the best thing for the world. He wants to rule the world because he can't imagine anything better than a world ruled by Doctor Doom. And he to this end he has built himself up. He took himself up. He was born like a poor gypsy, and he made himself a scientific genius and an expert sorcerer and he single-handedly overthrew the government of Latveria and he, he built himself his suit and it wasn't like Iron Man he didn't build himself his suit because he had to he built it because he wanted to because he wanted to be Doctor Doom he, he wasn't a result of an accident and when you make him the result of an accident you take away 90% of what makes his character great 
and electricity powers what what is that a? <laughs> yeah at least i mean at least in the other ones they defined his powers in this he just like does random things yeah um and then they and then he dies before he can explain like what he can actually do and that's why that's why he's such a great counterpoint to reed richards because reed is like probably smarter than dr doom but what doom has over him is reed got his powers from an accident like reed's first big experiment balls up and it gave him and his friends superpowers and turned his best mate into a rock monster and doom always has that over him like doom is doom because doom wanted to be doom and they they just can't because they want to streamline it and shove his origin in with the fantastic four they um they, they kill that and i mean you, you get the sense that if if the marvel cinematic universe did have Fantastic Four, um, that they wouldn't shy away from doing the whole Latveria thing. Yeah. I mean, like, making up stupid countries. They had the one in, in Age of Ultron. What, what was it called Stukovia, again? Zakovia, I think. Something like that. Yeah. Stukovia. Oh, uh, yeah, Zakovia. Zuc- Zuc- yeah. It was um, a made-up country. Yeah, or, like, or was it a country or, like, a city? But they, they made it, they, like, they don't shy away from, like, leaning into those, like, slightly silly made-up things, but they, they also managed to make them real mm-hmm. at the same time so they they kind of tread that line really carefully and you get the impression that that they wouldn't shy away from doing that with dr Doom, yeah. especially now that they're bringing in uh dr strange and the whole like sorcery element mm-hmm. it wouldn't be a stretch for them to also give the kind of sorcery powers to yeah. dr doom i mean you wouldn't even have to do that like he could just be a guy in a metal suit who who like who is a badass and really intelligent and owns a country? Mm-hmm. Could, if the magic stuff was too much, you could leave that out. But it's it, it's partly that the Latveria thing sounds a bit too ridiculous at, at face value. But it's also partly just a sort of screenwriting issue. I think like the want to be able to explain who Doctor Doom is and explain who the Fantastic Four is at mm-hmm. the same time, and to try and connect them. Like Doctor Doom hates Reed Richards, but to find out why, you have to go back to like when they were in college, when they were younger, um, and it's it's a completely irrational hatred on Doom's part as well. He just hates the guy, and then, um, but in in a movie to sort of explain that to audiences, if you want to do it on screen, you have to have him there at, at this at this point in time, because otherwise you've just got this guy in this random other Eastern European country that for no reason has a grudge against this American scientist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But I think it would be, the way I would do it would be get, scrap the origin because they already, they're going to do that with Spider-Man. Like we've seen this origin so many times. I think if you're going to do a Fantastic Four movie, especially if it was going to be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, have it so that Doctor Doom is already an established presence. Maybe involve that barrier in like some other like government negotiations in an earlier movie just have them like name dropped like top. like what they do with them um, uh where black panther's from yeah wakanda yeah wakanda they mention that it gets name dropped a few times doesn't yeah it? you could do that with latveria and imply that like the leader is like a dictator who we've got difficult international relations with which happens a lot in the real world it's not so yeah. ridiculous <laughs> it's not a stretch is it yeah and then so dr doom's already established have the fantastic four I think it would be great if they had the Fantastic Four as like a sort of they went on an expedition, whether to space or to the negative zone, on like a scientific journey, and they never came back. And that is turned into a sort of famous like event, like the Malaysia Airlines flight or something. Like mm-hmm. a famous missing 
like expedition like uh, and then it's on the news like oh where is reed richards and like uh the three-year anniversary of reed richards's failed flight where are mm-hmm. these people and then the movie can be them coming back from wherever they've been and they already have the superpowers and doing it maybe like well like maybe interstellar style where like yeah um, for them like they've been away for like yeah. a couple of days or a day and then they come back and about they've actually been gone for like three they've years actually been gone for much longer yeah because you can easily do that with space or with another dimension and then we already know who they are and you could do this in like new sn- snippets over the opening credits or something like in watchman um and and then you can get them straight in. and then doom is like oh bloody hell Reed richards is back what a bastard! I thought I thought I got rid of him. Maybe it was his sabotage. Maybe Latverian agent sabotaged the initial expedition, and then but Doom finds out the back, so he renews his efforts to kill him or something. I think that'd be cool because you wouldn't have to. It's all already established. You wouldn't have to deal with the origins again. We really need to start pitching this stuff to to film execs. Yeah, I think that's that's how I would do it if I was bringing them into the MCU anyway. So just before we we're done with Doom, um, I, I did a super like last minute uh, shout out for questions, uh, and I got one from Joe Scrabbles. Uh, hi Joe, uh, and he says, "What is it that compels Hollywood to ruin Doctor Doom, the only quasi Latvian character in entertainment <laughs> history?" And Joe Joe has Latvian heritage, so I think he feels quite like strongly in a personal sense about this. Um, yeah, m- maybe they are worried that. Latveria sounds too similar to Latvia, and they would have said Latvia. Yeah, is I mean, if the only quasi-Latvian character in fiction is sort of the greatest villain of all time, <laughs> it doesn't say great things. But um, but then is is the the power of the Latvian box office like a, a massively renowned thing? It's not like not like, it's not like pissing off China, where if you if you uh, the, well, basically, it wouldn't get played in China if it. Um, if it like dissed China massively, because yeah. they only let in a certain amount of uh, non-Chinese films a year, uh, which is why lots of uh, Hollywood films like play to, play up to China or they shoot scenes in China now. Um, yeah, is the is the might of the Latvian box office so much that they were like, if we do the Latveria storyline, this film is just going to bomb. <laughs> and that, well, and look what happened. They didn't yeah, do exactly. Latveria, and it bombed anyway. So maybe like like Doctor Doom was Latvian in this though. Um, was he? he? They did mention it. He, he had like he had. Did you notice the accent? He had a bit of an accent, you know. Did he? He had a little bit of a <laughs> Eastern European accent. They did mention it, I'm sure. And um, but I really don't think he was in the other two, in the earlier two films. Um, yeah. So again, I just think it's it's too much of a some. It's either too much of a stretch to have him rule in this country, or it would be too much exposition to try and work in. But I think if you were doing it in the MCU, it would be a lot better because you could see that earlier. Sam, is there any such thing as too much of a stretch when you got fan- <laughs> Mr. Fantastic in your film? <laughs> Just going to get, yeah. get, get my coat. <laughs> uh, so what else? I'm trying to think what else. Should we do another question? Right, okay. Uh, James Ramsey uh, got in touch on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at the Nitpick Pod. Uh, I'm really bad at asking for questions very last minute, but promise next time we'll we'll ask it with a bit more time to spare. Uh, but James Ramsey asked us, 
Uh, I heard they only made this movie to avoid losing the license. Is this true? And how long before we see another Fantastic Four film? Uh, so as we've been talking about, this isn't part of the Marvel Cinema- Cinematic Universe. The, the rights to this are owned by Fox, uh, who did the other Fantastic Four films. Uh, and with these sorts of things where you own the rights to a character, you have to like keep using those rights or you lose them. Yeah, every seven years, if, if you go seven years without any activity on a film, on a um, property, property. Goes back. And that's why um, we got things like the Sony Amazing Spider-Man films, because they wanted to keep the rights to Spider-Man. It's a big earner for lots of studios to have superhero properties uh, that tend, unless they're done very, very badly, tend to do well at the box office. Uh, so, yeah, basically, Fox kept wanted to keep the rights to, to Fantastic Four, as much as the other films weren't great. I think they, like, they did solid box office. They submitted back the budget, which isn't a dead cert for this film. They did about twice the um, opening weekend box office of... Um, of the latest one. So they, they were like, they did okay. And I mean, part of the point of this is that Fox also have uh, the X-Men films. I mean, as you'll see on the poster, it says from the people that brought you X-Men days of future past. So they have, uh, they have X-Men and the various X-Men characters. I think that's about it, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, they used to have Daredevil, but they let that one go back. Yeah. They, um, they wanted to do, they were building this up as like, this is going to be a Fox universe and we're going to have them cross over with the X-Men. And then there was nothing at all. Yeah, it's not. That would be outside the realms of possibility. There's a couple of um, pretty famous X-Men Fantastic Four stories in the comics that they could have adapted. Uh-huh. Um, but it, it didn't, I, I, I think after this came out, someone pretty much outright stated that it wasn't. But it's not. Yeah, it yeah they're not It's worth noting as well, if you've not seen this yet, um, there is there is no post-credit sequence at mm. all. Get out of the cinema as soon as you can, because uh, yeah, I waited until the very end, and there was nothing except for people in the audience booing. Uh, so unless you want to hear some like extra boos at the end, uh, yeah, you can just leave when the film's done. Yeah. Um... Because I didn't know if they would do that, like, as... <laughs> as an extra scene at the end where it's like, oh, even if it's just like a token shot of like Wolverine or even one of like the crap X-Men, like like have a crappy mutant in there. Or or maybe Uh, Doctor Doom's hand like reaching out of the portal or something, like Doom's still alive. Yeah, yeah, I thought there'd be something at least. And I thought that would be a good way of trying to mix it in with the... um, with the other Fox properties. And I mean, Fox are uh, are kind of doing... X-Men spin-off things in terms of they're going to do Gambit and Deadpool. Um, it's... Also, um, just sorry, just a quick note. Uh, they showed the Deadpool, the Deadpool R-rated trailer at the press screening, but obviously with the Fantastic Four only being a 12, there were like kids in the audience and stuff. Um, oh, that'd be a mistake, but my God, yeah. doesn't Deadpool look great? It looks, it looks fun. I've got reservations about oh, okay. it, and like it's the sort of thing I'm really I'm glad that it exists and that it exists as a proper Deadpool film. Uh, if I'm totally honest, not not all the jokes hit the mark for me, like <laughs> because like a, a lot of them. Are, I know that it's kind of the point, but a lot of the jokes are very are very juvenile. Yeah, um, and it's like uh, there was so much of people being like, "Oh, this is Deadpool. This is the comic book film for adults." And it's no, no, like this is the comic book film for like fourteen-year-old boys yeah. who want to see like over-the-top violence and stupid sex jokes. I mean, that's why that Deadpool's been really, really successful as a character because he's got a, a mixed fan base. I think between people who legitimately find everything that he says absolutely hilarious, 
and people like I love Deadpool from from a slightly more removed position. Like I find it really interesting that there's this guy who's like the deadliest assassin on the planet, but he can't shut up. And he's just constantly making terrible jokes all the time. I like that so, idea. I as like a that as a, like a character defect. Yeah, where he, like he he can't even stop himself. Yeah, so I, the jokes all have to be hilarious. It's just it's sort of his crack that he um, he makes them all the time. But uh, and like some of the jokes are, are quite funny. Like it's a stupid one, but again, like where he's like, "Oh, I wear a red suit so people can't see me bleed." Uh, and then he points to the guy with brown trousers and he's like that guy's got the right idea and like stuff like that's funny and the bit where he's like drawing the little he's doing his little doodle of shooting someone in the head yeah uh, there's like a really cute little drawing like that's good but then there's just i don't know there's a couple of there's that joke at the end that really doesn't work for me where he's just like he shoots three guys with one bullet and then he he's like oh i'm gonna touch myself tonight and it, it that all like in the cinema there were lots of laughs through the trailer and that one kind of drew a bit of a blank. Everyone was just a bit like, oh. Oh, but like, how badass was it when he shot those three guys with one bullet? Yeah, oh, that apparently was... that uh, that sequence is known as the 12 bullets fight. So uh, he has to like get his way through this, uh, kill all these people, but he's yeah. only got 12 bullets. I think uh, it might be good. I'm looking forward to it. I hope it's going to be good. And again, I'm, like, I'm just glad that it exists, that we got to the point where, uh, like I love superhero films, and I, I, don't, I think we are in a, a time where, as much as there's loads of them, like we're doing lots of interesting things with them in general so the fact that there is more of them is pushing filmmakers to do something different and interesting with each one so i'm glad that we've got to this point where now uh, a kind of a, a a studio as conservative of fox as fox have said okay if we're going to like let's do this character and do it as as an r rated film purely the fact that that exists i find interesting uh but i hope it's good yeah, and I do like I do like quite a lot of the trailer, and also I like the digs at like Green Lantern, and I think uh, apparently I don't know if this is just rumor or if it was just like a a thing stated while it was in the works, but apparently there's something to do with a scene where Deadpool goes to um, uh, Warner Brothers and like <laughs> kills the exec that was behind that, Green Lantern that is or something. something. That would happen. Apparently, there's a scene where a, a, um, I think it was when he was fighting Colossus from the X Men. He sort of improvised a lot of one-liners about um, the Green Lantern movie. I think a lot of them have been cut, which is probably for the best, but they'll be on the DVD. It'll make it for good outtakes, won't it? Um, so, I mean, so with Deadpool... <laughs> oh, no, you want sorry, to Deadpool. With, with Deadpool, like, that's a... This is going back to Fantastic Four as well. Right, so with okay. Deadpool, um, even in the trailer, you see Colossus from the X-Men. And I know Dead Man is part, Deadpool is part of the X-Men universe. But it shows that at least within those properties, they are doing bits of crossover, and it makes me surprised that they didn't try and do at least something uh, crossing that over with the Fantastic Four. Yeah, so the, the question was how long before we're seeing the Fantastic Four movie? So maybe it could be seven years. They could wait seven years to see if anything comes along and then just let it lapse by a Marvel or try and do it themselves again. I really don't think they're going to do a sequel to this. They've said no, that the No, they, they but... said that they will, but like the damage is so strong. Like, it's, it's been really badly reviewed. Audiences don't like it. Um, like The box office figures have been terrible. You just think, what is there to be gained? Like, yeah. They will have to do such a good PR job to make a second film viable and profitable. And I mean, of the stuff from, from on set, um, like, there's been so much stuff coming out about all of this. Um, and apparently, like one of the latest things that came out um, is that Josh Trank and um, 
Oh, what's his name? He plays Reed Richards. Um, oh, Miles, Miles Teller. Teller. Uh, he was a, he's a good actor. He's brilliant in Whiplash. Um, that that Josh Trank and Miles Teller like almost got in a fist fight on the set, and so you just think like there is there's no goodwill between between the cast and the filmmakers. And like I can't, I just can't see it happening. I really can't. Yeah, well, I, um, not with Josh Trank, definitely not. But yeah, that, I wouldn't be. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if they did uh, Spider Man and just said, "Look, you guys at Marvel can make this movie, but you've got to give us like all the pro- most of the profits or whatever, whatever the deal was with Spider Man." Yeah, because I think they'll probably realise this is completely unsalvageable, but there is money to be made from the characters, and I think Marvel might even reach out to them and say because like I say the characters and especially Doctor Doom are um, would be really good just storytelling devices in the Marvel Universe um, but they the, the issue with that is they would never ever want to do the same with X-Men because X-Men still makes loads of money and pretty good movies so I, I obviously I, it's not going to have to be like a combo deal or anything I don't think but I just think they might just want to save face like they they want to keep X Men, but they probably want Marvel to help them out with Fantastic Four. Um, I'm not sure if they'd be able to come to an agreement like that. I mean, I I also just think in general, it needs it needs a totally new direction. I feel like I feel like the Fantastic Four has the kind of the John Carter problem, mm-hmm. where the Fantastic Four were like the the first superhero team, and like John Carter was like on the original like sci-fi like space opera sort of yeah. things and then they tried to make a film with john carter and uh which i haven't seen actually a, a lot of people say it's not as bad as it's a, as a lot of people said it was but all of the ideas in it have since it's become such a big part of popular culture that all the ideas have been recycled in other better mm-hmm. things and it makes me wonder in a world where we've got avengers films how do you do the Fantastic Four and make it different enough and make it stand yeah. on its own? And one thing I think would be great, and that I'd, uh, that is, if the whole point is that it's like kitschy and like colourful, is set it in the sixties. Uh, do do an X Men first class yeah. on it, and and say like you, that means you can play up to the sillier side of it if they do it as like a, a sort of period piece and play into the. Um, like with the whole Latveria thing, you play into the uh, the kind of politics of the time, like Cold, War. Cold War sort of thing, and like take it back to that context where it works, rather than trying to like squish it into contemporary context where it doesn't really work. I think what really sets the Fantastic Four apart from the Avengers is the the sci-fi aspect of it, which nobody's really tried to take very far beyond like the origins of them. Um, but so yeah, the whole cosmic side of it. There's the, um, the the family dynamic, which this movie really, really just didn't even attempt at all. The relationships between the characters are so like interesting and complex and entertaining and funny, and they just didn't do that. And then Doctor Doom is the other thing that sets them apart. They've got this incredible nemesis, um, which none of the movies have used to great effect either. Um, so yeah, I think there are things that very clearly set it aside from the Avengers, but they haven't been um, exploited at all by the studio. So uh, to go back to James's question, uh, how long before we see another Fantastic Four film? I would say I have literally no idea, but I can't see them doing a straight sequel to this because it's been such a disaster on every level. Um, 
that I don't see I don't understand why they'd try to even salvage it uh, but that kind of it remains to be seen whether it will be something that's like a like a, a Marvel and Fox kind of co-owned property yeah. or whether Fox leave it a few years and just try and reboot it again but if they try to reboot it again I mean uh, everyone was excited about this about this Fantastic Four reboot because the other films weren't great at saying oh we get another shot at it whereas now that it's like three pretty poor films is there still going to be an appetite unless it's something like that's really different and that feels really confident yeah you don't you don't the, I just hope they haven't poisoned the characters forever, and that even even if Marvel made one, like you know maybe maybe that would even bomb because of the damage this has done. And Marvel haven't helped themselves either because they um well there's there's been a lot of shit kicked up because recently like within the last year Marvel have cancelled the ongoing Fantastic Four comic, and a lot of people thought they were doing that deliberately to hurt this film's chances, which. I think is a bit far fetched, and I don't think it has actually hurt this film's chances at all. Um, and because the Reed and uh, Doom are such important characters in the Secret Wars event as well, so I don't think they've totally turned the backs on Fantastic Four. But it, it still means that it, it looks like even Marvel have given up on the on the team. I mean, it, it could it could hurt the value of the the overall intellectual property, yeah. but at least it's the sort of thing where. Because the characterization is so, I was going to say bad, but it's kind of non-existent. It's not like, it's not like it's a take on the characters where you go like, oh well, where else do you take it? Because it did nothing with the characters anyway. So there is there is scope for a good take on these characters. It's not like it's ruined the characters where you go like, well, what else are they going to do with them? I think it's just whether uh, the studios like feel like the property itself has lost mm. has lost value. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of great Fantastic Four stories that they could straight adapt. I mean, the only one they've tried to straight adapt was um, the Galactus storyline in... And they Rise replaced it with Server. a giant cloud. Yeah, um, which again, Galactus is pretty hard to take as a concept. The giant man who just eats planets. <laughs> it's pretty difficult, but it, that is the greatest Fantastic Four story of all time. Um, Galactus and the Silver Surfer. So another shot on that would be great. Uh, so another question we got one from Facebook, uh, on Facebook from Maggie McBride who uh, says my question is it truly the disaster all the reviews are saying it is it's brutal uh, well we're one hour and 45 minutes in <laughs> um, so basically yes it's like it is a disaster we are now this podcast is now longer than the Fantastic Four it film. is we've talked about the Fantastic Four for longer than the film actually takes place what does that make us what have we become <laughs> oh, we're angry bloggers. Sam. Yeah, there is no Sam. There is only Nick. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, we've got one, uh, one last question, or more of a, a very strange statement from Tom Nicholson, <laughs> saying, uh, "Right, I, I am going to say I already have no idea what any of this means. Um, uh, so you might have to jump in. Uh, this new Fantastic Four film naturally draws comparison with the other one." But do you think Miles Teller could do Horatio Hornblower as well as Ian Griffith did? I would say not, though maybe there's room for a crossover where he plays the military jazz drummer boy. Um, so Ian Griffith played Hornblower, I presume? Yeah. Could Miles Teller play Hornblower? Um, I guess he, he probably wouldn't want to. 
I am only very slightly. <laughs> I, I know very little about Hornblower. About 50% of what I know about Hornblower has come from a very quick Google image search that I've just done, and he appears to be some kind of admiral. <laughs> well, I hope we answered your question, Nico. <laughs> or more, like, we gave you a shout out anyway. Uh, but maybe, maybe you could tell us, you could expand on your thoughts uh, from your comment and we can read your thoughts on this, <laughs> seeing as we have none ourselves. Um, so shall we, shall we sum up on this? We should sum up. So I think my, my summary of it is that on the one hand, uh, it made me very, very cross because it's a broken film and there is so much missing and it should not have made its way into cinemas in the state that it did so no matter like even not even as a superhero film just as a film yeah. it's a very it's a bad film it's a badly made film it doesn't hang together whatsoever and that's being completely objective where it's not even like you can look at it and say like well i didn't like the way that they did this it's like it doesn't on a completely objective level, it doesn't work. On a subjective level, for me, there are things about it that are interesting, and I, I like it. I liked the bits where it kind of took the strength of its convictions to do a dark Fantastic Four film, as flawed an idea as that is in general. Um, the kind of body horror stuff, and Doctor Doom making people's heads explode, and the amblinness of the first like ten minutes. There are there are. A f- like a couple of things to like in this but there are a lot of things that are just done really badly and it's like stupid and makes no sense and Doctor Doom sucks and uh, I'm probably going to stop there because otherwise we'll just get sucked back into everything all over again. Yeah. What, about, what about you Sam? I've just, I've never seen a film with such contempt for the source material like people who have read the Fantastic Four comics maybe seeing like the animated series or the um the, the other movies and just thought, you know what, I hate every single thing about this. We're keeping none of it. We're bastardizing these characters. Sue Storm's not even going to be on the expedition. Things like that. Just no desire to please fans of the, like it's clobbering time and stuff like that. No desire to please fans. Um, and you know, I'm not even a fan. I'm not even a huge Fantastic Four fan. Like they're pretty far down my list, but my god, these people, the filmmakers just seem to have despised everything about the comics. Um, and it's, I, I just don't know why they're, why they're bothered. And yeah, it's a mess. It's a piercing mess. The editing's a mess. It, it's unfinished. It's incomplete. Fantastic. Fuck off. Stop, stop. It's already dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, trivia though. I really want to get this in, but I haven't had time. Do you want some Fantastic Four trivia? Yes, go for it. Um, so everyone knows you know, the old Fantastic Four movies, the Fantastic Four cartoon from the 90s. Most people know about the failed Roger Corman adaptation from the 90s as well. Um, but did you know that there was a, a <laughs> in the 60s, a Fantastic Four radio drama, which directly adapted Stanley's dialogue from the comics, and the Human Torch was played by a young Bill Murray. No way! Bill Murray played the Human Torch in a radio play. Yep, flame on and everything. Can we just can we do that thing where someone takes a radio play and then just does like animated video to sit on top of it? And <laughs> Bill just... Murray actually is the Human Torch. Yeah, and instead of like putting him in a costume or even making him like go on fire, just ignore that and just have him as a normal Bill Murray. <laughs> 
I'll pay to see that. That'll be more worthwhile. Dressed as like Steve Zissou or something. <laughs> so yeah, even the Bill Murray 60s radio drama was vastly superior. Um, and can we now say that the best um, Fantastic Four adaptation is still that um, that storyline from season four of Arrested Development, where <laughs> Tobias Funke plays the thing and he gets sucked into this like terrible adaptation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was pretty great. Oh, The Incredibles! The Incredibles is a pretty. The Incredibles good... still the best Fantastic Four film. Yeah, because they're a family and they have basically the same powers. It's a Fantastic Four. Uh, so yeah, it sucked, and it's probably not really worth going to see, except for a curiosity watch. If you if you have to see it in the cinema, do it as, do it on a a meerkat movies or whatever they call it now. Um, but I think it'll be a, an interesting curio. And if we ever get something like um, like with Alien Three, where we've there's no like official director's cut, but there is an assembly cut that is the closest thing to like where people involved in the film kind of pieced together. Uh, a new version I hope like I'd just be on a pure interest level I would like to see that just um, some deleted scenes on the Blu-ray I want to know what, what got cut out and I mean it's, it is when you see stuff like pictures of the fantastic car on the set and there is like no inkling of that whatsoever in the film and it makes you just wonder how radically different that would have been uh, but we'll probably never know uh, so right that kind of wraps things up for the Fantastic Four thank you very much for listening I hope you've enjoyed it and thank you for sticking with us for like almost two hours which as we said is longer than the film itself hopefully more entertaining <laughs> hopefully more entertaining I guess I'm going to go and enjoy a croissant right at that moment. <laughs> You can get all the episodes if you subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, Search The Nitpick on iTunes or in the podcast app on your phone uh, and you'll find us. And we're also on SoundCloud as usual. Uh, Yeah, thanks so much for listening. I've been Ben. I've been Sam. And it's clobbering time. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Sam, say bye. Bye. (laughs) Clobbering time. Bye. Lame off.